Hey everybody, this is RJ Thompson with another episode of the CD View Podcast. In fact, I believe this is episode number 124, and I'm sitting here with Larry Davis, a uh, alumni of Youngstown State University, the Department of Art, and uh, I don't want to take any other details away, I'll let, I'll let you fill in the gaps, but uh, welcome back to Youngstown. Thanks, it's great to be here actually. Um, how, long's it, how long's it been since you've been back? Well, to the university, I was here um, a year ago just to visit because okay. uh, because I grew up in Salem, and so my okay. mo- my mother lives in Salem. My mother just turned ninety years old, and so um, we're having a birthday party for her this uh, Saturday. In fact, oh, congratulations! Happy yeah. birthday to her! Yeah, for sure. Ninety years old. She's or ninety years young in her case. She's, still, <laughs> she's, she's in great shape. So yeah, so I was back for that. But prior to that, it was uh, it was quite a while because the last five years of my Disney experience was. Um, was in China. And so um, it was probably prior to that, a couple more years, so probably about seven or eight years before I was back in this uh, neck of the woods. Okay. And um, so y- you had a recent visit, but uh, how would you say the, the area has changed? Uh, what was surprising to you? Well, it's surprising to me how, first of all, how much the university has grown. I mean, certainly since I went to school here, I mean, uh, Bliss Hall wasn't even here. Right. We had Klingenwaddell, which (coughs) was this little teeny building, and then the basement of uh, another building called the Rayon Building, I think. Um, (laughs) And that was it. That was the art department. And um, but there was a lot of passion within the department, and a lot of great instructors. And um, to see how much it has grown into, you know, to Bliss Hall and (coughs) Uh, the McDonough uh, Art Museum beside is just, you know, it's amazing to me. So that, plus the downtown area, I know there's still work to be done in terms of Mm -hmm. revitalizing downtown, but um, my wife Maureen and I took a walk downtown yesterday and kind of, you know there's a lot of restaurants popping up down there and and so th- it feels like there's there's some some good energy happening and I think it all if, if I had to say so it seems like it's all stemming from the university it's like there's a lot of positive energy here at the school that's translating into the positive energy in the city itself it's really quite <clears throat> pardon me that's like bad podcast etiquette Start <laughs> coughing on audio. I'm sorry folks I'm running around all day well glad it was uh, you instead of me <laughs> oh absolutely okay. I would rather take the but it's definitely a, a reciprocal sort of energy. Like it's very uh, symbiotic uh, in the sense that big things happen here; they happen downtown. Sometimes it's vice versa. Yeah. This past weekend was a busy time in Youngstown. We had Federal Frenzy, mm. which is a, a concert festival, like day long. Um, brought in a, like over a dozen different bands, and then um, you know private individuals. Uh, like uh, behind me here is uh, the Advancing Education. Rec- Reducing Crime Day. That was a big event, and we had the March for Science. So what's really kind of interesting is how eclectic and all of these different events are, but how they all bring everyone together, yeah. especially, you know, the connectivity between the university and downtown bridges that gap. Oh, yeah, that's time. great. Well, I've seen, and that's one of the messages that I'm trying to get across to the students and, and in any of the speaking engagements I have this week, is that I've learned through my career, um, both at the university and then my career with Disney, um, out in the real world, that collaboration um, and, and also teamwork that happens between dissimilar um, uh, factions of, 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 you know, whether it be uh, education or the city itself. Because, uh, for example, I worked with engineers. You know, my mm-hmm. background is in fine arts, but I worked with structural engineers, mechanical engineers. I worked with interior designers. I worked with graphic designers. I worked with business people. I worked with estimators, you know. And so all of these, these sort of, you know, different, um, you know, factions come together. And, and that's why uh, the latter part of my career was with Walt Disney Imagineering. And Imagineering, 
as a word is great because it's imagination mm -hmm. and engineering married together. And that's what our company was all about. And again, that was part of what my life and career was about from the beginning. You know, starting right. as a biology major and then bringing into, uh, in, into my artwork that, that experience with biology. And then ultimately, um, between my Disney jobs, running my own company, bringing in the business side, bringing in the engineering side because I had to work on blueprints all the time. So it's this marriage that has to happen. And it's reciprocal, as you pointed out. You know, right. Sometimes it comes from one side, sometimes it comes from the other, but at the end <clears> of the day, <throat> everyone participates. Having a career where you can interact with all those different disciplines, is it makes things fun. Yeah, it you does. You know, it makes things enjoyable. Yeah, you have the stressors and you have challenges and problems, but... Really, at the end of the day, it makes things fun and it makes for a really rewarding career. It does. And to your point, <clears throat> you do have those, those stressors. You have, you know, um, for example, you know, building a, a, a Disney theme park, you know, if you, if, you have a, <laughs> if you have a restaurant, you want it to be absolutely beautiful and you let the, uh, the uh, mechanical engineer, you know, look at the drawing and say, okay, I'm going to put a ductwork here and run a, a diffuser here and a diffuser here and a diffuser there. Mm -hmm. And then you have an interior designer said, we're putting these beautiful chandeliers here and here and the coffered ceiling here. It doesn't work. Right. Because now all of a sudden you got a diffuser right where you're putting a beautiful chandelier. You have to work together, and you go to the structural engineer, or basically the mechanical engineer in this in this uh, example, and you say, "Hey, look, can you get the same effect by moving your diffuser over here? Because we want to put a chandelier over here." Mm -hmm. That's what it was all about. It's that collaboration. How smooth were those collaborations? Some of them uh, <clears throat> were incredibly. Um, confrontational mm -hmm. because oftentimes you know they had to meet certain criteria and whether it be structural mechanical electrical plumbing you have right. all of those things and in the, a ceiling is a good a good example because in the ceiling you have sprinkler heads you know you have light fixtures you know you have diffusers you have mm -hmm. everything coming together and um, oftentimes you know they say look I've got to have so many sprinkler heads in this interior space um, we can't and they have to be X amount of feet apart so right. sometimes you would end up you know battling it out and compromising, saying, okay, we're going to have to change the ceiling design now because we've got to have a sprinkler head there. Let's move the light fixture over here. Right. So, You know, <clears throat> before your lecture uh, this morning, I was teaching a, I was teaching a history and theory of graphic design. Uh -huh. And in, in that particular class, I, I used the acronym uh, MAYA, M-A-Y-A, okay. most advanced yet acceptable. How far can you push an idea before you're in the intended recipient or the audience uh, or even in some cases, uh, the producers tune out or can't innovate further. Yeah, you know, uh, it reminds me of that, uh, and particularly where compromise comes into play. And it does. It does all over the place. I mean, you know, even that's uh, a tough pill to swallow at times. It is. It yeah. is, especially you know, when I and, and even in my personal art, I had a um, um, in, in in the in the presentation I gave today, I showed uh, I have one piece of outdoor sculpture in Burbank, mm -hmm. California. It's the only piece of sculpture I have that's outside, um, and it was a commission. And um, I designed it, and I made a model, and sold the idea to the architects. Uh, it was out in front of an architectural firm, mm -hmm. and um, uh, they they loved it. They bought off on it, and they came back to me. And I said, well, and it, it had, it's a series, it's an abstract piece, but it's a series of tubes and, and rings and stuff. It's copper, it's stainless steel. Um, <laughs> and these, I had these three stainless steel rings, and they were all interacting. And they said, we love it, but that lower stainless steel ring, we see that as a problem. This is going to be out in the public. Children are going to climb up and hang from that ring. Could mm -hmm. be a liability. And I, and, and I, was, I was bummed because it really, it, it, uh, it 
it sort of took the, the whole aesthetics and the beauty away from the piece that I had designed. And so in the model, I took the piece off and I looked at it and I looked at it and said, do I need to change anything else? And then I finally got um, accustomed to looking at it without that ring. And I said, you know what? It's okay. Mm -hmm. No one will ever know but me that mm -hmm. that ring is gone. And so that was a compromise where at first it was painful. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? This is going to work and we're going to do it. Yeah. So being able to self-edit and, and accept that. And, and accept it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> what it is. that's a tough lesson for an art student to learn. Uh, <laughs> critiques. Critiques. Yeah. Um, I, I can't speak to the fine art critiques here in our, in our department of art, but uh, since I teach graphic design here, art critiques are particularly brutal. Yeah. Uh, only because obviously we have be everyone's best interests in mind. It's constructive criticism, but it's tough because we're designing for a very specific function, very specific audience, mm -hmm. um, and we need to make sure that all of those decisions resonate uh, with those intended groups. No, and that's a good point because at the end of the day, when you're out there in the real world, um, it's uh, the client. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the the client is is basically has the final say, and if you you know if the client doesn't like what you've done or wants you to change or edit something, um, you can certainly if you have a, a valid argument, you can certainly stand up and say you know state your piece and say. But at the end of the day, if the client says nope, this is what I want, you got to appease the client. You got to do it. You got it. Yeah, and and that's that's one of the reasons why we have the tough critiques yeah. because you, we're preparing need, students for students need to learn that yes yeah really they, important. they need a thick skin almost immediately after graduation because if they don't accept that uh you know the the client gets what they want in the end mm -hmm. uh they're gonna have a hard career it's true yeah. it is true how long did it take you to learn that lesson <laughs> <laughs> um i think i probably learned it fairly early on you know i had uh, i had a lot of ups and downs in in my um in my early days and, and even in um yeah but 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 to flip it a little bit yeah in, in both literally and uh, <clears throat> uh figuratively um one of the things that I brought up again in my in my uh, talk this morning was I'll never forget the first piece of sculpture that I was working on. Uh, Professor Richard Mitchell was my instructor, and um, I I was working on this uh, stack laminated wood sculpture piece, and it was an abstract piece. It was just about shape and form and and basically learning the technique, and it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. like it, it felt bottom heavy. It was symmetrical. It just wasn't working, and I I was building and building and grinding and building and grinding. Nothing was working, and Mitch came over to me and he said, I call him Mitch now because yes. we're friends, came over to me and said, why don't you flip it upside down? And I thought, okay, I hadn't thought of that, so I flipped it upside down, and now all of a sudden it was working. It was like more visually interesting. It takes on a new life. It took on a whole new life, <gasps> and it was one of those things that I hadn't even thought about that. So, you know, that's one of the, the lessons I learned early on is to, to consider alternatives, consider looking at something differently, especially if you've looked at it the same way for a long period of time and it's not working, flip it upside down, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, the, the overall lesson of, of, you know, sort of compromising with a client is a different lesson altogether, but it still has a lot of the sort of same uh, undertones is that you have to be willing, first of all, to um, and have a, a good understanding of the fact that, you know, you're not going to get everything you want every right. step of the way. Right. You have to go into it thinking that, especially if you have, if you're, uh, you know, set high, negotiate down. That's it. Yes. Good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, uh, one thing I frequently have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Walk in with the world yes. and then come out with something very much, much more refined. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you, you're retired. I am. How long have you been retired? 
Well, let's see. About six months now. How's I, that going? I, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's interesting because I'll tell you what happens when you get to retirement age, and I don't know that this happens to everybody, mm-hmm. but with especially in my case because I was I was moving five thousand miles an hour, especially on the Shanghai project because that was the last five years of my career, and the last two years, you know, was so intense at the job site that by the time the project opened, I was like exhausted. Mm-hmm. I mean, physically, emotionally, didn't really want to look at it. No, didn't want to look. <laughs> just done. And so then all of a sudden, you know, when I came back and I started the retirement uh, process and taking care of all the paperwork, blah 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 blah, and then all of a sudden I'm retired. And then it was my body started falling apart. And again, mm-hmm. you know, nothing that the students need to worry about right now. But I'll tell you, when you get older, when you get to be my age, you, you realize that, you know, the body's not made to last forever. And right. so I ended up with, you know, without getting into the gory details, sure. I had, you know, I had a rotator cuff, torn rotator cuff uh, in my uh, shoulder, which actually happened in Shanghai. Um, so I had to have surgery on that. I ended up with severe carpal tunnel syndrome in my right hand, had to have surgery on that. Wow. I had all kinds of medical issues that I was dealing with in the first several months of retirement. So everyone would ask me, so how do you like retirement? So I, I don't know. I've been in and out of doctors, hospitals, <laughs> emergency rooms. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that was my, my retirement. You spent it healing. <laughs> yes, yes. So now I'm, I finally think I'm, I'm nearing the point where I can <clears throat> grasp the reality of being retired. You know, my wife Maureen beat me to the punch. She retired a, a year before I did. So, um, so she was kind of already adapting to it. And when she retired, I was living in China. Mm-hmm. So she, she had already been forming some really great uh, relationships with her friends and spending a lot of time with her friends and doing Zumba and all these other things. And so what ended up happening was she was so comfortable with um, uh, sort of, you know, this whole retirement thing without me in the house. You know, then when I came back, it's like, okay, now, now, not only do I have to figure out how, what retirement means, she has to figure out what it means with me, you know. Yeah, so you're plugging back in. We're plugging back in. So, yeah. so we're working it out. Actually, you know, I think, uh, I think, you know, coming here uh, is, is great for me. This is something that w- once the wheel started turning on, I'm coming here and, and speaking to the students at YSU, I got really excited about it and motivated about it. And um, I'm in the process of getting my studio all back together so I can start some new artwork and so I think I'm, I'm pretty sure at the end of the day I'm going to like this retirement thing. I'm glad to hear that um, especially uh, from the perspective of the artist mm-hmm. you know um, I, someone once told me that uh, artists don't create art because they want to, they create art because they have to yeah. um, it's, that, it's that, I don't know if it's creative release or just some mm-hmm. kind of compulsive behavior <laughs> to create but um you know, I, I I'm glad to hear that you're continuing to be creative and and make things. Yeah. And in some respects, like now that you're retired, it's a bit more liberating. Like now you can make. I don't know, things you've been thinking about for a long time that may be living in a sketchbook or something. It's, it's true. And in yeah. fact, um, it, again, part of my presentation this morning is I inter, interweaved, I guess that's to say, or interwoven throughout my presentation was my Disney career with my art because mm-hmm. the two were very much separable, you know, in the sense that, that there was no relationship uh, to my art to Disney, you know, right. my someone look at my art, and there's no way they would ever think I worked for Disney because you know you have a vision of what Disney art looks like, mm-hmm. and if an artist is working for Disney, you think it would be that, but it's not. Um, but the other thing is, no matter what I was doing with the company, I always had a series of art going in my studio, and I made sure of it. You know, even if there was a piece that I just started and it sat there for months while I was traveling around mm-hmm. the world, you know, doing some Disney project. When I came back, it was waiting for me, and I continued to do it. So, you know, between, and, and my 
Disney career uh, uh, was not consecutive. You know, I worked for Disney for a while. I left. I mm. formed my own business for a while. I went back to Disney. Then I lost my job. Then I, I, I started being freelance. Then I got a job back. So it was, mm -hmm. it was bouncing back and forth. And the artwork never stopped during that whole process. The only time that it actually took a respite <laughs> was on the Shanghai project because five years of intense uh, work on that one, three years of traveling back and forth uh, from L.A. to China two times a month, um, was absolutely insane. Then moving there as an expat for the last two years of the project. So during that five years, my art went on hold. Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm back and retired, the art's kicking back up again. So What do you got cooking in your studio? Well, let's see. I actually um, started, the first thing I had to do was clean up the studio. Okay. Because over the course of five <laughs> years, it became a dumping ground. You know? <laughs> and, and of course, Maureen, my wife didn't help that because she retired from elementary school. Yeah. All her school stuff went into my studio. <laughs> I know that feeling. Boxes of yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. And, you know, just, just so when I finally got home from this project, I couldn't walk in my studio. So I have spent a good part of the time since I've been back uh, between doctor's visits mm -hmm. and stuff cleaning up my studio, reorganizing my studio, getting to the point where I actually have a workbench that's completely clean. I have my shelves all organized. I know where my raw materials are. I, you know, I know where all, you know, all the parts and pieces are. And um, now I'm starting to, to you know, just take things out of the shelves that have been there for years because uh, I have, uh, through the years, I've accumulated a ton of raw materials. Mm -hmm. And everything from glass to, you know, to aluminum parts to steel parts to just stuff that I've collected through the years. And a lot of my personal artwork ends up being a, a sort of a, you know, a conglomeration of some of the parts and pieces that I've collected throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm doing now is just going through and saying, oh, that could be good. Put that on the table. That might work. Put that on the table. And I'm just spreading things out. And this next series is, is it's basically going to design itself, I think. Okay. And, and the last series I did before Shanghai, it kind of designed itself too. I, I kind of did the same thing. I pulling parts and pieces out and said, oh, let me put these together. And um, so, you know, sometimes um, I have a very clear idea of what I want a series to be. And maybe it has a message, you know, and I'm trying to say something. But um, the last series was really more about, you know, finding parts and pieces that work well together and just creating and making things and just letting it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what the next series is going to be like too. Can you talk about your uh, creative process on your personal work? Well, um, you know, if there is a process. Well, again, that it's kind of what I just said. There's there's two different ways that I've approached it. Um, <clears throat> one is I have an idea of, uh, for a series, and and that series um, uh, is is formulated around a concept. And um, one of the concepts, for example, um, I never really liked growing up. I I hated television. I hated uh, commercial television. I hated the fact that you sat there and these you were bombarded with commercials, right. commercials, commercials. And, you know, that's still happening today on network television. Um, well, it happens all over the place on the mm -hmm. Internet and everything. But that always bothered me. And so I thought someday I'm going to make uh, a series that sort of shows my disdain for television. And I ended up doing that. And the irony of it is this. I ended up working in television. <laughs> um, uh, when I was working for Disney, I met a lot of people in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up uh, working on some um, um, TV specials, and I ended up working on some uh, TV commercials. And this was during my freelancing days when I was between Disney jobs. And so I met some incredible people that were uh, working on TV commercials. Um, Ed and Sandy Martin, a married couple. Sandy was a producer. 
um, Ed was a cinematographer. And I became good friends with them. They were giving me a lot of work. I was like being an assistant art director on a lot of these TV commercials and stuff. And so um, I took a mold of Ed's face. I took a mold of Sandy's face. And back then, this was before you had <laughs> flat screen TVs. Right, okay? right. So we had big tubes, right? <coughs> there were the TV picture tube, yeah. and then the screen was on the front, and we're in a big box. So I created an open, empty shell box, and I made the TV picture tube out of their face, and I elongated their face, and sliced off the back of it, and put a, a, a panel that was actually a mirror in the shape of the TV screen with edge-glued glass, and took a photograph of their face, and edge-glued the photo on the glass. Okay. So now I had, you know, and all these commercial products were in bottles down at the bottom, and I used like uh, Mountain Dew bottles. I used to drink tons of Mountain Dew. I don't anymore. <laughs> Good. Tons yeah. of Mountain Dew. Yeah. So I took these Mountain Dew bottles and I sliced them all up, and it, and it rolled up tubes with all these different uh, commercial products in them. You know, like all kinds of commercial products, images of them. Stuck them inside. Put the, you know, I kind of re basically rebuilt the, the Mountain Dew bottles with a clear acrylic center um, and chrome on the bottom and the top. And then these commercial things, and they, they all had cables and wires and tubes that fed up and fed into the mouth of the TV picture tube okay. that was, in this case, Ed or Sandy Martin, and then the image was on the back of their head. So <laughs> it was this guy, it was my sort of disdain for television, you know, so again, that was a concept that I had, how do I represent that into, you know, an art form, and that's how that evolved. Mm -hmm. The other side of that equation is what I just said about how sometimes it's just making stuff. I just, you know... I don't have a clear vision. I, I go and find parts and pieces that I think will work well together to give me, you know, if you go back to the foundations of, of, a, of a good piece of sculpture, or a good abstract strap piece of sculpture, it's, it's positive-negative shape relationships. It's how light, you know, creates shadows. It's, it's all those things that, that, that accentuate the dimensionality of the piece. So sometimes that's all I do. I look for parts and pieces. I put them together, dissimilar pieces. I'm always challenged by how do I connect, you know, a glass piece with a steel piece, you know, right. how do I uh, mix uh, you know, so I'm always sort of challenging myself that way, and I just sometimes the pieces just build themselves. You know, I'll put in there, and ah, that doesn't work. Move this around, ah, okay, that's better. You know, and just create that way. And I think that's the next series is going to be like that. I don't really, at this point, have a have a big message that I want to convey. I just want to make. I just want to create. I like the the, the risk there. The you know, um, essentially, as I understand it, this is kind of like serendipity. It's like, oh, I'll take this piece and yeah. put it together, and there it is. Yeah. You know, uh, it's very fluid. It's improvised, and um, there's no rules. Yes, there you are know? no rules. And yeah, it, and it's my art. So I yes, even more importantly, you know, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, and, and unlike the students here that are being critiqued, but I went through that critiquing process, and I did mm. some critiquing of my own when I was teaching. So I understand the value of that. You know, you need critique. You need somebody to say, you know, it's not working. It's yeah. not working. Try something else. You know, learn the rules, then break them. Yes, exactly. destroy I, them. I love that. That's a good way to put it. That's great. <laughs> kick it while kick them while they're down. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we're kind of uh, running out of time, but I wanted to gain uh, get get some additional thoughts. Um, so you're here the whole week. I am. Okay. And uh, Thursday night is uh, the Forming Futures Gala down at YBI. Yes. Um, have you been in the space yet? No, I haven't seen okay. it. I just, yesterday walked by the outside of it. Um, they were doing some work on the outside with scaffolding and stuff, so we couldn't really get into okay. it. So, but. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It, it's a really exciting uh, time in Youngstown in terms of, um, you know, economic development and a lot of the even cultural development like there's a there's this groundswell it's great it's it's coming it's gonna explode and um 
I think you're gonna see you're gonna see that you're gonna be able to tap into that energy and really see what we're doing here. It's, Good. Yeah, and um, that makes me really happy. I mean, that's what I say. You know, I remember years ago, and you know, this you know the city was incredibly depressed, and you mm -hmm. know, you come downtown, and you just go, oh man, you know, what's what's the future for this? You know, right. And now, I like I said earlier, I you know, the university is really you know, helping to rejuvenate the downtown area. You can see it. You can feel it. So so some, some parting thoughts for the students. What um, Actually, parting thoughts from you, and then I have some of my own for you. <laughs> okay. um, what uh, you, you may have say, said this earlier in your presentation, but what's, like, the one piece of advice that you would give them? Well, okay, um, one piece is to be open to um, alternative ways of thinking and alternative paths along your um, career because you know to me you know you can I, I, it's really important to set goals okay so we'll, we'll start with that very important to set goals and work toward those goals but along the path to get to that goal don't be afraid to divert you know to head off to take the fork in the road and go the other direction because that's what happened to me time and time again and every time you know I was faced with that fork in the road I, you know, I, I, I spent time weighing positive and negative. Well, if I go this way, I go that way. Mm -hmm. there's, there's risks either way, you know. Don't be afraid of that because that's what it's all about. You have to embrace that and you have to know it's going to happen as you're, you know, uh, walking along that right. course. Be open to it. Take a hard right or a hard left and yep. accept what comes next. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um... I, my, my family and I, uh, my daughter Amelia, she's going to be two in June, and my wife Erin, whom is one of the biggest Disney nerds I think you'll ever meet, uh, I'm obligated to have this conversation with you, otherwise I don't think I'll be allowed to come home. Okay. Um, but uh, we're actually going to be going to uh, Disney World in, uh, in December over Christmas. Down in Florida. Yeah, down okay. in Florida. And... Um, What's the one thing that you need to see, like, or you you went you had to repeat visit when? Okay, you were there. and again, I've spent a lot of time down in Orlando. Yeah. Um, I spent, you know, in fact, I've been to all the Disney theme parks around the world. Um, and obviously, I live in California, so yeah. you know, I have a fondness for Disneyland, the original. But when I go to Florida, you know, I mean, it's so big, and there are so many, you know, different mm -hmm. theme parks there to choose from. I always stay. So here's here's some advice. My wife and I always stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Mm -hmm. I love it there because you get you you get a savanna view room, and you can walk out on your balcony and look at giraffes yeah. and zebras. And I just love that place in terms of a place to stay. And then alongside of that, you're right next to Animal Kingdom. And to me, that's that's my favorite park of all time. Uh, I just you know there's just something magical about it. I mean, it's like a you know an animal safari or or a zoo sort of combined right. together, and it's just it's just wonderful. And then um, of course done in, in, in uh, traditional Disney fashion with some good you know e-ticket attractions in there too. And then of course now they're getting ready to finish off. In fact, it's, I believe at the end of this month is when they're finishing the Avatar Land, so That's a whole right. new land. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I will go back just to see that land. I'm gonna wait till you know all, all the excitement dies down and it gets mm -hmm. a little calm. And we'll go off season, you know, so we don't have to fight. We'll, there's always crowds, but right. less of crowds. So right. that would be my recommendation: stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge, and spend spend at least a day or more in Animal Kingdom. I suspect we'll definitely we're staying in Port Orleans. Okay, you um, already have a hotel. <clears throat> yeah, we yeah. Uh, oh, Aaron's got everything okay. planned it's out. Already planned. Yeah, but uh, we do plan on. Uh, several visits to Animal Kingdom just yeah. because Amelia loves animals. That's and, my favorite. Uh, yeah. yeah, and not only that, but like that's the one thing—not one thing, but 
it's always unpredictable. You don't know how the animals are going to yeah. react and right. what they're up to. So, yeah. Yeah. well, um, thank you, Larry, for your time. We're we're glad to have you back here at YSU, and uh, it's a pleasure uh, getting to know you. And looking forward to um, seeing you again on Thursday, and hopefully uh, many more times after that. Great, thank you, RJ. It's, it's my pleasure and honor to be here. All right. <laughs>